We've been focusing for the last three weeks on being the church, right? And uh, uh, not just going to church, but being the church. And this is about uh, the, the word church in the Bible never refers to a building. It always refers to people. Literally, the word is ecclesia, which means the called out. I don't know if anybody remembers or not, but back last spring, I actually did like a series called Called Out. Did anybody maybe... No? No? Okay. So, so maybe, you know, like I said, you know, coming to church and worshiping and getting in the Word, it's like, it's like eating healthy or it's like your, your workouts that you have, you know. You might not be able to remember a specific one, but it helped you. Oh, good, 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 good. But so we've been on this a lot, and we've been in this passage quite a bit this year, and, the, and, and I'm not sure we've got it yet. So I'm not trying to just be repetitive. I'm just trying to, let's get this down. Amen? All right, so I'm go, we're going to turn back to this place where we've been a lot of times. And, um, and for some reason, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's... Let me, let me restart this thing. Um, it, it was, I'm sorry, it was me. It was me. It's not you. It's me. There, it was me. I had, I had the wrong thing turned here. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4. We're back in there. We also have notes online uh, because this is more than just coming and... And, you know, hearing a sermon today to keep the devil away, it's, it's, it's something, nah, I know you wouldn't listen to one every day. But anyway, it's more than just kind of doing this thing. It's about learning and growing and being equipped. And, and I'm always wanting to, to, let's take this with us, right? Let's take this so we can meditate on it at least a little bit. So you've got notes you can look at, you can add to, you can save them, um, you, can, you can study, you can, and, the, and what I'm saying is when you do that, the Holy Spirit's going to show you some things that I don't even mention, right? As you get in there and there's things that you need to see that maybe you you did, I don't know, whatever. The Lord knows, I don't know, right? I just want to bring out the word, amen? That's what I want to do is bring out the word here. So um, we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 4 again, and we're going to finish up the basics of belonging. This makes the third week in a row, so that's why it says part three, all right? So I want to get into this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. This is like the most important thing we do, and God has answered so many prayers this week. Um, and, um, and I'm just looking back there, Roger, and I see you sitting there, and I'm just thinking, wow, you know, and uh, as I was coming back yesterday, I was just praying off and on for you, and, 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 and I knew you had some tough time last week, you're here, and he's still recovering from surgery. We're so thankful for that, and God is blessed in so many ways. We just want to praise him for it, and it's great to come together, and if we didn't do this, we just would miss out on so much, right? Amen? Amen? Uh, so um, anyway, and we've got, we've got Mr. Bettendorf down here. Yeah, so, you know, did you see him? Did you see him? Look, look down here. Look at this guy. And, um, you know, so it's good to have you home for a little bit, all right? And um, just, just what a blessing. And I told him, I said, man, you look so good. I don't know how you could look any better than you did, but you do, right? Man, it's great. It's great. It's great. All right, let's read this together. I hope you found Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 13, and I'm going to read a little bit. We're never wasting time when we're reading the Word, amen? Because this is God speaking, all right? So that time of public Scripture reading, you know what? That goes all the way back to even the ancient times when the Jews would gather uh, for teaching, and especially during the time when they would meet in synagogues. And we still do this through the centuries and through the thousands of years of the church, and, and this is an important part of what we do when we come together. So let's read it together. I'm reading in the, in the ESV. You follow along, whatever you have there, but let's read the Word of God and let's get what he's saying here. 
So verse 13, and he talked about uh, the different gifts of ministering, the apostles, the prophets, the uh, evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, shepherds. And, and so the whole purpose is for equipping the saints for the work of, the, of ministry and building up the body of Christ. So, and that's what we're talking about here. So verse 13, and he says, we're going to do this until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of teaching or doctrine, by human, human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So it's talking about the body building. The, 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 those who are, belong to Christ are like, Christ is the head, we're the body, right? And we're, the whole ministry, this is happening so that we're building ourselves up in Christ to be like Jesus. That's the measure, Right? that we're, we're shooting for, to that maturity, that Christ-likeness, and God wants to use each of us to help. So there's two ways the body is built. It's built larger as we help other people find the Lord, but it's built stronger as we build each other up and strengthen each other. So when he's talking about building up, uh, that's what that's talking about. Now, if you're reading an older translation, sometimes there's a word edify. The word edify is an old English word that means, guess what? Build up, right? So that's the focus here. Building us up, making each other stronger. This is part of being part of that body is that God wants to use others in our life to make us stronger and help use us in their lives to help make them stronger. We're going, listen, we have the potential of making a difference in each other's lives and reaching those who don't know the Lord. I mean, this is exciting stuff. Ain't better, anything better going on today than this right here? Okay. I'm not done reading, by the way. Um, so verse, uh, where do we get to? Verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Boy, there's a lot of that going on today. That, that wasn't the Bible. That was just me making a comment. All right? So you got to watch. You never... And verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 
Now, there is so much there, but I want to just read that as the foundation of, of pulling out two more of these basics of belonging, because here's what we know, and here's what we've been focused on the last three weeks. Are you ready? Um, here's what we know is that God has not just called you to believe, but also to belong. So he's calling us to believe and to trust him and to have faith in him and to receive Christ as Savior and all of that. But once you do that, guess what? That automatically includes you in God's family. You are a part of his called out, his church. That means you're part of the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body. We're connected to Jesus. And we're, guess what, connected to each other. If you belong to Jesus and I belong to Jesus, we belong to each other. That's the whole thing he's teaching us. And then everybody who's a part of that also in the New Testament connected themselves to a local assembly, a local body, a, a local church of believers. That's the biblical model. You know, there's all kinds of other organizations and things that do ministry and are great and are needed, but it's not the local church. And sometimes the local church is dysfunctional. And, and, and just like families can be dysfunctional. But I'm sorry, this is the only biblical model. And while we want to be involved in everything we can be in, the biblical model is the local assembly, the local body of believers. Because otherwise, if you're just here and if you're there and if you, if you don't try to connect somewhere, what part of what body are you? What function in what body do you have? So you have to think about that. Every one of us are connected to each other and of us have the function for the purpose of what? Building each other up and strengthening and ministering to each other. And also building up the whole body as we reach people who are not right now yet part of it. And we help them find that way that leads to Christ. All right? So this is it. Um, we're designed this way. This is the way God designed it. This is my ideas. This isn't my thing. I'm just trying to bring out what Scripture teaches. And I'm finding that a lot of what the Bible teaches, and so God's the author, right? He's the creator. If anybody knows how things work, it's the one who made it. The way life works, I mean, this is the manual. I'm finding that it's becoming more unpopular today. But that's why people are in such a mess. You think people are really getting along better today? No. It's a mess. What's happening to us out there? I mean, you look around at our communities. You look at our nation. And, man, what, people, somebody got to think, well, what is happening here? Things are a mess. And this is a reason why. And, and I, I doubt, you know, we want to be, and we have because other people died and fought and, and worked really hard for us to have a right to vote and to make our voice known and stand up for truth. And, and, and we've not been doing that. Okay? But just that in itself isn't going to change things. It's going to have to change one person at a time. You know, it's, it's, it's our own houses, our own homes changing, our own communities and, and surrounding areas changing. And it's going to happen one by one. And so um, it's, it's easy to holler about how bad things are. It's easy to post stuff on social media. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but, you know, we just have wisdom about that. But it's easy to do those things. But it's another thing to so live your life that you make an impact, that you are salt and light for Christ, and that we become that change agent that's happening down here and spreads all the way from your house even to the houses of Congress in the White House. You know what I'm saying? And all over the world. Because the kingdom of God involves all people everywhere, not just right around here, right? 
Okay, uh, this is what he's called us to. So the last two weeks, we've detailed five of the seven basics of belonging. And as we do classes and we do things talking about connecting, if you want to connect here. And, and, and this is the thing. I have actually helped people who were kind of trying to fit in here and just not, not really feeling like they made a good fit. That we've have, We have a lot of good gospel teaching, disciple-making for Jesus churches in this community, in this area. We're just one. And we don't all have the same style. We don't all have the same personality. And none of those things really relate to the essentials of Scripture. Uh, we have different methods. And so there's been times that, as a pastor here, I've tried to help people find another church that they could actually not just attend, but plug into. And become a part of, right? Okay, uh, not so many years ago, there was a guy that was here and, and started, you know, just kind of had gone through a tough time in ministry. And I'll not call his name. If I did, you would all know him. Uh, but I love this guy. And he, um, he, he finally was getting to the point where, you know, I could really use this guy. And, man, we need some help. And he's beginning to help, beginning to, to, to share and preach a little bit. And, but there's another church in, in, in town that needed some help, right? And it's like, man, you know, pray about this and going over there and, and what God may do. And, um, and, and, and he's, he's, God's using him. And they're having a great ministry and God's blessing, right? And, you know, at first I kind of wanted to be a little selfish. Like, man, I wish you'd just stay here. But this is what we're to do. And you you know what? We need to be not only building each other up, but you know what? We need to be a blessing to others around. And who's to say that God wouldn't use you to be a spark plug to help ignite a fire in some of your people that are your friends that are close to you who actually may be in a different local body, but we're part of one larger body, right? And, and, and bring revival even somewhere else. So we've got like all of these, and here's the other thing. It's like there is this. So we have our, our local body right here, and we have several in this community. But then there's times that we all come together as the body of Christ in this community to work together. And so one of the big ways that Satan tries to stop all of this is just causing us to nitpick and be, you know, uh, have problems with each other, which none of us are, are totally perfect as Jesus yet. Hmm? I mean, I know a lot of people that feel like they've reached a, you know, a pretty big level of sanctification, but I've hung around them. They ain't Jesus, let me tell you. He is still working on me. I'm, yeah, hang around me a while. Um, and, and I'm sure if you do, you will be thanking God and, and, and everything like, like Clarissa does. Because there's all kinds of times I'm saying incredible wise things and doing things, and I'll see her. She doesn't, she, she's real subtle, you know. She doesn't want me to know, but I see her just thanking the Lord for such a wonderful husband because I'll see her look right up there, right up there. I mean, sometimes you can only see the whites of her eyes. She's just, but I know she's looking right up to the Lord, and she's mumbling. She's praying and thanking him for all that, right? So that's the way it can go sometimes. But, but see, we all, we all have to learn, and that's why he talks about bearing with one another and putting up with one another, and we're going to have to forgive each other. We're going to have to help each other. Um, uh, this is going to be part of it. So when we're doing that, we're helping build up the whole body, and then there's times that there's this whole body in this community, and we're part of, we're connected with believers all over the world, but everybody needs to be connected in a place where, and if we're all, if we're all doing this, if we're all, in fact, if all of our local uh, congregations, our local churches are doing this in this community, just think of the impact that we're all going to have, right? And then that way, if one does get off track, at least we all aren't, right? 
Uh, when one's struggling, maybe, maybe sometimes our ministry could be, could be helping not just people, but there may be some struggling congregations near us that we could help strengthen. Right? Right? So that way, so that way as we're all reaching people and making disciples for Jesus, we don't have to have one place that we spend a bunch of money on to make it big enough everybody can, can gather because we're gathering all over the place. Just some, just some things, just some things. So these basics of belonging, as we talk about connecting, uh, one of the core parts about it, if you want to connect here, is we talk about, when we do this, we talk about, you know, essential beliefs and our core, core teachings. Uh, we'll talk about part of our, our strategy and expectations, and it involves these seven things, all right? And as I told you the last couple of weeks, uh, we base this on Sam Rayner's study, uh, Seven Basics of Belonging, the meaning of church membership and what it's really all about. And so I want to give credit there. And I've kind of just taken those that we share in, in that and, and we're preaching on it. So we covered two or so the first time, three last week. And so um, I want to just uh, rehearse it. All right, ready? So if you're here the last couple of weeks, this is what we looked at. These are the first five basics of belonging. Worship. That's one of the first things is that we learn to say yes to God. Grow, that we're going to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, who helps make disciples, who help other people follow Jesus, right? So that's it. Worship. Second one, grow. So once you learn really to worship and you know God, you're ready to start growing. And then as you're growing, you're ready to start serving. That's number three, reaching out beyond yourself. And we were talking about that last week. And as you're serving, the, the, the fourth basic of belonging is give, that we honor God with our offerings. We realize that all of our resources from our time to everything else actually all belongs to God. We're a manager and a steward. So we want to continue to grow in that. And it impacts one another when we do that. And then last week we ended with this one, prayer. Uh, Prayer is a big part of all of it, that we prioritize God's will through prayer. We're not going to accomplish anything except that we're praying and we're, we're focused on and submitted to Him and to do His will and that we're hearing from Him in every way. So now this week, we want to just kind of move forward and do the last, the last two. I was like a little kid. How old are you? <laughs> two. The last two. Also to review, remember... The difference between attending, just attending church, and connecting, or joining is another word. You be joined, you become connected, is connection and commitment. Right? Okay. Um, and that the church is not a destination point for crowds. That's not what a church is. It's not a place where the crowd goes. The church is a vehicle designed by God to reach neighborhoods and nations. Amen. And we said that every week for three weeks now, and it's also in those notes again. All right, so you're ready for number six. So I, I gave you the five we've already covered. Here is number six, seek unity. And oh, I was already talking about it, wasn't I? Because one of the things the enemy wants to do is to get people divided and nitpicking at each other. And then people who, who are part of the same body, the body is fighting against itself. And it becomes diseased and it becomes crippled and ineffective. And this is what happens. Now, this right here is something that is one, of the main, is one of the main things. And so in keeping unity, here's how we do that is we keep the main thing the main thing. A lot of times we want to get distracted by other things or less important things, and we forget the main thing. And I want to tell you, the enemy 
Satan may not be able to keep you from believing. He may not be able to keep you from receiving Christ and being saved. Uh, he may not be able to keep you from uh, going to church and trying to be involved, but if he can keep you from connecting and uniting, and if he can keep you from keeping the main thing the main thing, he will settle for that and keep you ineffective and defeated and grouchy and everything else. So as a part of a local church, we got to do this. we got to keep the main thing the main thing, and that ought to be the goal of everybody who's part of the church, every, everyone connected, every member of the body is to share the love of Jesus Christ with the lost world. This is it. We do a lot of other things, but you know those five purposes we talked about three weeks ago? Worshiping, ministry, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism from Jesus' great commandment and also from the Great Commission. Everything we do relates to those things, those, those core purposes of the church. And, and as, as it all works together, these also incorporate those five things in all of this. And so we do a lot of stuff. So even if you're back there helping carry out trash, or if you're back there helping with meals on Wednesday night, you're not just fixing meals to feed people, or on Tuesday night with, with Celebrate Recovery, you're not just fixing meals to feed people. What you're doing is you're serving, right? And you're giving, and you're ministering to help facilitate an atmosphere where people can worship and pray and grow and be saved. All of those things. So it's a ministry. So there's a lot of things. And so, so we couldn't do all of these things that we're doing to equip people and disciple people and to send people if there wasn't somebody unclogging the toilet whenever it gets clogged. Huh? And so it becomes like more than just a thing you do. It takes on a different dimension. Because a breakdown in those things breaks everything down. So, so this is part of, of, of being part of a body and being together. Our very purpose includes being involved with other people, right? I mean, part of our purpose that God has us here for as the body of Christ kind of includes the whole other people thing. Because we're to be building up others in the body. We're to be reaching those outside who are lost. So there's really no such thing as being a Christian without there being some kind of expectation requirement that involves other people. There's so much teaching about how we're to, to put others ahead of ourselves and all of these things. Um, and this is what happens, though, when we seek unity and keep the main thing the main thing. And we're, we're thinking about each other. We're not just thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about God. We're thinking about each other. And, you know, even marriage is a good example of that. Even marriage, because this happens there too. And so with the whole body, it can be the same that happened in the local you know, family as well. See, when we focus on each other, and when we serve each other, and we put the other's needs ahead of our own, then we end up building each other up. We end up blessing each other. Uh, but when we focus on ourselves, and we're only thinking of ourselves, we're only worried about ourselves, and we only promote ourselves, what happens is we begin to isolate from one another. We begin to frustrate one another. And then what happens is, as we isolate, we build walls between each other. Instead of building each other up, we build walls to isolate from each other. That's not biblical that we do that. And as frustrations and unmet expectations grow, it becomes easy not just to build up walls to separate, but then to go through and try to tear down other people. 
We begin to put down other people. Yeah, God does hold us responsible for what we say and what we do in trying to tear other people down and, 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 um, uh, and, and gossip about people and things like that. Yes, the Lord does hold us responsible for what we post on social media. He does. And we need to think about those things because our goal is to be like Christ. We just read it. We just read it. So a, unifer, a unified church, a unified body is driven by truth and love in everything we do. Verse 15, I read earlier, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who's the head, Christ. And he talks about the whole body is joined and held together by every part. If one part's missing or not, not effective, then it, it, it brings a problem in there. But every part doing its work, when the whole thing is joined together, and if every part is working properly, the whole body that grows, so it builds itself up in love, he says in verse 16. That's what we're supposed to be like. So how do we know when we talk about driven by truth and love, how do we know we have the right definition of love? And how do we know that we're united around the God's truth? We're unified around the right things that honor God in the right way. It's when we got to be in Scripture. It says the Scripture teaches us. And it's like Jesus living out the example that he came and laid out. So, see, this is an amazing thing. Jesus didn't just show up and teach us a few things. He showed up as God made flesh, fully God yet fully human. And, and, and he went through the whole human experience except unblemished by sin. So here you have God himself who came down to us real time in the flesh to save us. But he didn't just live a perfect life and go to the cross and being perfect, then he could take all of our imperfections and be the only one qualified since he was perfect and didn't have to pay for his own sins. He could pay for all of our sins because God is perfect and holy and sin has to be dealt with. Jesus was the only one qualified to be our sin bearer. But he did even more than that. He lived a real life on planet earth and set an example. Not just by what he taught, but what he did. That's what I've enjoyed exploring as we've gone through the chosen Bible study together, which, by the way, as you saw in the announcements, we're picking back up next Sunday night. Not tonight, but a week. And uh, we get a chance to interact on it and just think about it, you know. Uh, but it, it, it's powerful. He set the example. We have an example that God laid out there that we can see and that we can follow. And that is so powerful. So we want to be this way, and we want to live this out, and the church is most unified when we, get ready for it, when we be who we is. When we act like who we are in Christ. Who you are in Christ now. Quit acting like your old self. Be who he is the new person he made you to be. Every day, I can decide, am I going to yield to the Spirit's leading or am I going to give in to be led by my old sinful nature, my flesh, right? That's what he's talking about, putting off the old, putting on the new in that passage. I'm not going to unpack all that. We'll do that another time. But we're to be this way in everything we do, everything, we do, everything that happens here. We're to be driven by truth, God's truth, and by God's love. And that's why Paul said this in one of the scriptures that I wanted to include in this, in Colossians 3.17. He said, and whatever you do, whatever, that pretty much means anything you do, in word or in deed, 
Woo-woo. Not just what you're doing, but what you're saying, what you're tweeting, what you're typing. So whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I'm telling you, if I'm going to do stuff in Jesus' names, in Jesus' name, that means uh, I'm including him in it, and I don't want to be doing or saying anything that Jesus says, now, wait a minute, you're doing that in my name, I'm going to be a part of that. Hmm? So that, that's a filter through which I, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus tweet? Okay, you get the idea. So this is what we are to be like. If we're saved, we need to live like saved people, okay? I know you're not perfect, but overall, this is, this is where we're growing to. And Paul immediately goes into this in that part that I was in, in verses 17 through 24 about, as I said, putting off the old and putting on the new. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is working, as it says in verse 23, to renew or to rewire our minds. Our way of thinking is gradually going to keep changing. He's going to keep rewiring our brains and things that were habits, things that were hang-ups, and, and, and things that had hurt us in the past. He's going to rewire so that we think differently. And those old triggers don't trigger like they did. Because the wiring has changed. I always talk about this, of how, you know, it's just like in your brain. Like, and I, I understand that people who get good at golf, which I probably will never know anything about that experience. I mean, the times that I, I play less and less now, and when I get out there, it gets to the point where I'm going to have fun, right, Curtis? We, when we play, we have fun. Other people may not have as much fun because of the racket we make, uh, but, <laughs> or Curtis mainly, right? Uh, but we have fun. But there's times I get to doing so bad that I get to thinking, like, why am I doing this to myself? I'm paying to do this to myself. And everybody's getting tired of, you know, how long are you going to let you look for your ball this time, Right? But it's kind of like, I'll think through it. I take a practice, probably too many practice swings. And then finally, I address the ball. Hello, ball. <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I address the ball, you know, I get ready. And then, you know, you think about it, and as you swing, and then it's terrible. You know, I hit the ground before I even get to the ball, and I, I hit the dirt clod further than the ball. And I'm like, that's not at all what I was trying to do. This is not what we were thinking, brain. But the connectors that control the motor skills and everything, you know, the brain to the muscle memory to all of that, haven't been built up because I don't invest much time in that. But that's what they do is they, the brain sending the signals to the body, they begin to build that muscle memory and the brain and the body begin to work together better. And that's how these guys actually do what they're thinking they want to do. Their brain gets rewired in that way. So this is what he's saying. The Holy Spirit's constantly wanting to rewire our minds, remap it. We build stronger connectors in some ways, and then some of those old connections to parts of our brain that we're storing bad things, they get weaker. It's like, any, it's like a muscle. You, you don't use it, you begin to lose it. So some of those things that had mental holds and emotional holds on us get weaker, and then there are new things that get stronger that are good, Right? He retrains and remaps our brains. It's right there in the Bible. And, you know, they can even do MRIs now and find changes in the brain as you learn new languages, learn new schools, and do different things like that. So this is renewing our mind. That's what he wants to do. 
And he helps us to fulfill the original purpose for which we were created. And that's what he says down there in verse 24. We're created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. After his likeness. Go back to creation. We're created in his likeness. Unlike anything else in creation. We were created, guess what? In the image of God. God made us to reflect his image. Sin marred it, but grace is restoring it. That we're reflecting the image of God. I've got to move on. Now, Sam Rayner said this. It's in your notes, but I didn't put it up there. He said this. Unity and the message of the gospel are inseparable concepts. The most unified churches are the most focused on the gospel. The healthiest churches inwardly are the most focused outwardly. That if we're going to focus on reaching the outward, the lost world out there, it's because we're getting it right in here. Unity. All right. Then, just before we leave this and give that last one, um, go to the first part of the chapter, which you could look there, but I did put this up there, where he says this in verses 1 through 3 of Ephesians 4, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk, that means to live, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How? With all humility and gentleness. There's a lot of one, of, one another-ness in there. With patience. Bearing with one another in love. Get it? There it is. Sometimes we're just going to have to put up with each other because we love. The love of God's flowing through us. Eager to maintain the what? Unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity. Keeping the main thing the main thing. So this is the point. God is seeking unity. That's not uniformity. Uniformity is where everybody wears a uniform, right? Uniformity is where we all look alike, sound alike, smell alike. That's not unity. Nor is it unanimity where on less important matters we all think the same way. Don't have to, you don't have to you know, dot every I and cross every T like I do. It's not unanimity. It's unity. What does that mean? What does that involve? It means that we have unity within our diversity because we all come from different points of view, different perspectives, different experiences in our life, different backgrounds, different styles, different social classes, different ethnicity, different cultures, and yet we love each other and we bring, all of us bring what we have to the table and work together for the cause of Christ. All of our various different stuff we bring to the same table and the Holy Spirit mixes it up into a gourmet meal. Our congregation on Sundays should look even physically like the neighborhoods around us. I mean, as far as the, you know, is there a mix socially? Yeah. Uh, with uh, ethnicity and race, not so much here, but if there is, it should look like that in here. I mean, we should look like the community we're impacting, don't you think? And a lot of churches don't, but I think that's something to think about. Because as I said, we all bring something different to the table to be used by God in fulfilling His purpose and working together to keep the main thing the main thing. How do we activate this? How can I actually do this? Well, one of the powers that we have available to us, Jesus gave us, and we sometimes call it the golden rule. Right here it is, Luke 6, 31, where Jesus said, As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now, somebody will point out, well, you know what? That wasn't original for Jesus. Confucius was quoted as that, and different ones are quoted as that. And if you look at those quotes, they're a little different than Jesus's. 
Yeah, Jesus knew about those. Rabbis had taught that before. But they was pretty much always, if you look them up, in the negative. It's like, don't do to others what you don't want doing them, doing, them doing to you. Don't. But Jesus flipped it to the positive. Instead of don't, it's do. Did you catch that? Do to others like you want. So some of you, you don't do what they don't like, but you don't. Can I throw in a double negative for emphasis instead of turning? You don't do nothing. You don't do anything. Jesus said do. And you do like you want done. That's it. He puts it in the active instead of the passive. Seeking unity is an act of love, right? In love. It's, it, it, but guess what? That love also involves account, accountability. Not everyone's easy to love. Okay, I didn't, want, I didn't know if everybody's going to say amen at the same time or what there. All right, but you can just nod your head. Not everybody is easy to love. Mm-hmm. But perhaps the toughest people to love are the best opportunities to love like Jesus. Because he loves you, and you know how sorry you can be at times. Mm-hmm. So this is accountability. Matthew 18, Jesus talks about how to go to that person and how to, to do it the right way and all of that. But here's our challenge. We are not just to desire unity Oh, we just want everybody. No, we're to seek it. And that's by loving, by bearing with each other, by forgiving each other, by building each other up and not tearing each other down, holding each other accountable. And sometimes we have to do that. We have to confront about some things, but we do it with truth and in love. And you just think about the impact this have on the lost world around us. You just think about uh, that, that, they, that they would see this. We should be as kind to everyone as possible and connect as many people as we can to Jesus um, that nobody in our community needs to be harder to reach for Christ because somebody in the church has already picked a stupid fight with them. We live in a small town. Can't hide. Or been unkind to them. Or been rude to them. I would rather just suffer the loss. How many times in 34 years is there someone that I've met and, and invited to church Sometimes it's just their excuse. I do get that, right? Because there's going to be stuff. But some people like, they had, a legitimate, they had a legitimate gripe because somebody here had really treated them badly. And they, they were even proud about it, probably. Seemed like they didn't see the problem. But the deal that they were into it about was not a big deal. But yet they made a big deal out of it and they made an offense to the point that I mean, I could even take you to my messenger and show you a message from somebody who lived here and worked here. And I talked to, not that I haven't ever messed up and made somebody mad and become part of the problem, right? Okay, I'm not saying I've never done that, but, but, but I don't want to do that. But this person said, had lived away from quite a few years, a long ways away, and said, I wish when I lived in that town that I would have went ahead and come to church. But I let a couple of people, and I knew who they were, affect me and kept me from going. Here's what I'm saying. In a small town, it's even more important how whenever somebody or somewhere and you don't get the service that you want, how do you handle that? It's more important than just even how your food was served that day is that person that's working there has a soul and it may be somebody that God's wanting you to reach and love, not just somebody there to render a service that you're paying for and they owe it to you. See, what I'm saying, there's a deeper level. Teachers, 
I remember one time between Sunday school and church coming out and seeing somebody, uh, I mean, just berating one of our teachers over something at school that they didn't like. Right before Sunday school and church. Tried to pull them off of them, you know? It's like, really? I mean, good luck if you're a coach, by the way. There was somebody that came to our town years and years and years ago uh, and was only here for a short time that I was eager to invite to our church. And they were involved in some, shall we just say, PE or athletics. Before I could get to them, somebody who regularly was here had jumped on their case in a very aggressive manner about something that's not feeling like their kid was getting the right break. It was really something that was nothing. And I don't know that the person, I, I talked to them about it, but I don't know that they ever really got it. But I'll tell you this, I could never get that family to come to this church over something stupid. I'll just say it. So what I mean is, is we're all going to mess up like this. There's times that maybe somebody, God will lead you to go back and say something to. And, and sometimes just people want to have confrontations when, when you know, they're just that way. And, and people find reasons to be offended and find reasons to be, you know, all that. And I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm just saying that, that really, for the, as much as we can, let's think about this. And keep the main thing the main thing. Right? See, this is times when we don't keep the main thing the main thing. Because at the core of a healthy church is unity. And what do you find at the core? Healthy people who are working tirelessly to keep the main thing the main thing. And I've seen people, you know, completely. I mean, how many times, Curtis, at CR have we had someone given a testimony and given a testimony about how God has changed their life, many times involved in arrest and involves jail time and things like that, and, 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 and heard them say, I mean, there's been times we've actually had one of our judges come on a Tuesday night to hear a testimony, some of our police officers, some of the people who work at the jail, uh, who, who had to have a lot of confrontations with these people, and it didn't go well at that time, and, and they didn't like them, uh, but they heard that person stand up there and say, now, thank you for doing your job, and thank you for standing up for truth, and thank you for telling me the truth about myself, and I hated you for it, but later I realized it was the truth. And, and when you see people that are coming to Christ, you know, that are being led to the Lord by a police officer, being led to the Lord by, uh, you know, someone who works at the jail or somebody who is involved in some of that. I mean, that's powerful, isn't it? And I love the way the Lord can flip that whole thing around. So uh, unity, that's a big one. I just want to mention this other one uh, because it's, it's just kind of a summary. Um, sacrifice. That's number seven, sacrifice. Putting God first, others next, self last. And you might realize that, hey, wait a minute, that was involved in all of the other ones. Exactly. The degree to which you're willing to sacrifice is kind of like a window into your soul. It tells us who we really are. And so sacrifice in the church means this. It means putting God's work above my preferences. It means putting others before my preferences and before myself. Jesus set that example. If you turn over one page probably in your Bible to Philippians 2 about how that Christ uh, had the same mind in verse 5 that Christ had and who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be clung to, but he emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, was born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Jesus set that example of sacrifice. God set that example. And when we sacrifice, see, everybody's just willing about what's in it for me, right? What can you do for me? What can, and, and at some point, that may be a legitimate thing at first. What can this church do to help me? What can this church do for me? But if you begin to, if you come to know Christ and you start growing, at some point it's going to become, what can I do to serve others? And so sacrifice becomes a part of it. You don't just join a church to see what you can get out of it. You join and connect to see what God wants you to give into it. And, to, and, and when you're doing that, you're also going to be receiving. See, it's about kingdom work. It's not about your preferences or things just being exactly the style that you want to have. So the paradox of being a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? Most all sacrifices are killed on the altar, right? But he says a living sacrifice, Okay, well, let's look at that verse. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do you see how that is? Um, see, I uh, heard Warren Wiersbe say one time, the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps trying to call, crawl off the altar, right? <laughs> but we're to continue in a continual state of living as a sacrifice. I live and sacrifice myself, my preferences, my life, my energy. Um, notice the nouns in this verse. Brothers. What's that? Plural. And it includes sisters, by the way, by implication. And bodies, present your bodies. Is that singular or plural? Come on, come on, needs to be interaction here. We're about done. Plural, thank you. It's plural. So bodies uh, are plural. Brothers, plural. Sisters, plural. There's another word, but it's in the singular. Singular. You would think, present your bodies as living sacrifices. But it doesn't. It says sacrifice, singular. So all of us together. So it, it, it doesn't say that, uh, that, that uh, multiple people make multiple sacrifices. It's saying multiple people in the church are really making one sacrifice. We're all together making one sacrifice. All of us unite together. Our sacrifice goes together into one offering to God. That's exactly what he's saying here. The rest of the body needs you. Your church needs you, and you need them. Your church expects you to accomplish God's calling on your life and fulfill that. And we want to help facilitate that in each other's life. God wants you to thrive spiritually as a part of this body. But none of that can happen without sacrifice. For all being selfish, none of it's going to happen. And so all the other expectations, the other of the six of the basics of belonging lead up to this one. Sacrifice is a result of all the other basics of belonging. You can worship sacrificially. You worship sacrificially to give God glory. You grow sacrificially because you're living as a disciple sacrificially. You serve, I want to say it again until it sounds weird, sacrificially. You serve that way by being selfless. You give sacrificially. And it changes the way you live and it changes your life. You pray sacrificially because your prayers are ultimately about God and His program and His plan, not just about you. And you seek unity sacrificially by keeping the main thing the main thing. So this is what pulls it all together. Let's let God pull it together for us. Amen. Father, I pray.